um, the message I want to preach to you tonight, just we may stand for a second, is if um, it's going to be talking about the two doors of grace. And uh, m- most people open up the wrong door. You're, you've got two doors that God is for you. But if you open the wrong door, you let the wrong guest in. Some of you are entertaining guests that came through the wrong door and they lied to you. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Just lift up your hands. Father, I just really want to thank you that today you're going to speak to us. You're going to deliver us. And Father, we're going to have a bit of a house cleansing at the same time. Father, we're going to remove the things that do not belong and we're going to let things that do belong to thrive and prosper in our lives. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about the two doors of grace. That there are two doors that open up. There's one door that restricts and there's another door that opens. They're two different doors. And if you confuse it where somebody has changed the labels, you get the wrong thing done. Now, let, let me just talk something about Grace, the two doors of grace. To understand grace, you need to understand the law. Grace, without the law, you might think, I, I, I don't get it. But you will see today, after, after I stop preaching, that if you understand the law, because there are times that if you don't throw your heart over the line with God, you tend to live in mixture. God's word is always against mixture. Because what a mixture will do is you'll give you the taste, the smell of something without the nourishment of that. So sometimes, you know what the scientists have done today, especially food scientists, they can give you an aroma of fried chicken while you're eating broccoli. So your smell tells you, I'm getting chicken, right? Your insides tell you, you're giving me greens. So when we, so what what can happen and sometimes usually does happen within us is we feel like we're eating the right food, but we're not getting the nourishment. Apostle Paul said it this way. Now, when we start talking about grace, first of all, Grace is not a teaching. Grace is a person. Grace is not an attitude that God has. Grace is something that He is. So the moment you start thinking of grace as I am, I'm going to learn about it, I can pass by it, you lose it. Now listen to what Paul says in Acts 20, 24. The only value I place on my life is that I may finish my race and I will fulfill the ministry. I want you to notice this. Grace is a ministry that Jesus our King has given me. That I might gladly tell the good news of the gospel of God's grace. So when we start talking about that Jesus preached. Jesus preached grace. Now when we start to understand grace. Look. Grace is the free, unmerited favor of God 
towards undeserving and ill-deserving. Now, to understand this, watch this. When God gave the law, how many of you know the Ten Commandments? Okay, I will, let's go back now. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? With the Ten Commandments came 612 other commandments. How many of you struggling with ten? Okay, so when we start talking about God's grace, God said it this way. If you want to be right with me, you need to fulfill the Ten Commandments plus a hundred, so 612. Now, let me tell you something about the law. The law says it this way. So, so you'll now understand how grace works. Law goes like this. You've got to keep the whole law all the time without dropping one. If you are guilty of the one, you are guilty of not fulfilling all. So the law says this way, that if you, are not, if you can keep 99.99% of the law, but you fail in the 0.1, you fail. Uh, how many of you know in the Olympic Games that you can lose by a split second, but you still come second? I mean, don't watch the Olympic Games. <laughs> See, when it doesn't matter if you come second by 0.1, you're still second. So what the grace says is this way. You've got to keep the whole law all the time, with, and that means every single day. You never arrive. So therefore, I'm saying something here. You will understand. That is why they had to have continual sacrifices. Every time, every week, every month, every year, Passover, they had to have the lamb. The reason they had to have the lamb, it was a reminder that I cannot keep it. I can't be 100% all the time. You know, I, I remember what made sense to me. I used to be able to run 100 meters in 12.6 seconds. There were times that I could almost go under close to 11. Now... It was somebody would say to me, Ted, if you want to be good, you've got to keep doing 12.6 seconds every day. It's okay when you're a teenager. I'm 63. <laughs> I, I, I'm pushing 20.6 seconds. <laughs> but see, what happens with the law, it tells you this, you've got to keep it all the time. You can't have a break. You can't get merits like saying, I've kept it for five days, I get a day off. The law doesn't give you a Sabbath. Now, so the law says this. It's 100% all the time. So if you understand that, that grace is 100% all the time without your effort. So grace depends upon my strength my ability, sorry, the Lord depends upon my strength, my ability, my friends, people praying for me, how much I worship, how much I give. It all depends on that. Now, when you, if in, in the nature of religion, the religion loves the law. Because religion gets its energy from striving. Religion gets...
empties energy saying, look what I have done. Religion says, I have earned the right to speak. I have earned the right to receive. Now, going back to here, grace is the free, unmerited favor of God towards the undeserving and the ill-deserving. Now, undeserving means this. Lacking merit, not worthy of praise or assistance or attention. In other words, is this. It's, you're a good person. You don't, you're not sleeping around. You're not dragging around. You're not beating anybody up. You are, in a way, you're saying, I am working hard in my Christianity. I am working hard to be good. I am good. So you're a good person that's really working hard. So when we start talking about undeserving, God says, you might be good. You, you might have a lot of effort. You might, how many know, um, you know, say, say, best way I can put it, I've never ever been tempted to have drugs. So I can say in the undeserving, right? I get, but I'm a good person. I don't do drugs. But the problem is, there are sin picks us out. Now, let me just show you so you can stop judging people. Everybody say thank you. The reason you've got to stop judging people is because your strength is somebody else's weakness. Now, when the Bible says we were under the law, yeah. right? you know what under the law means? That it is a Roman term that when they said it understood, Paul said it this way. What would happen in a slave market is that you would have a spear that went like this. And then they would put a prisoner under the spear and that would be on that would be for sale so if i am running a brothel and i see a woman there i would pick her out i pick her it wasn't her choice right if i am dealing drugs and i see this big guy that's seven foot tall that can make people take drugs i come to him i am going to make you a drug dealer he didn't have a choice you good? Yeah. See, you can't tempt me with a chocolate cake. I can go past a sweet shop. I can go past ice cream. Uh -uh. No problem. But, give me fish. <laughs> give me meat. Give me roast potatoes. Oh, dear Jesus, the temptation. See, well, so one of the things that we do is that because we're strong in one, we think everybody else should be. That is why God says don't judge. Because your strength is somebody else's weakness, but their weakness. So we stop doing that. Now watch this. So the Bible says he lack, you're lacking merit, you are unworthy, you're not worthy of assistance or attention. The ill-deserving is this. See, we don't have a problem with the first one. But where we do have a problem is the people that really don't deserve it. Look at this. Ill-deserving, they're, they're unrighteous, they're unjust, these people are not fair, they're unkind, they're wrong, they're mean. Do you know any mean people? Do you have a mean employee? On employer. So see, see, one of the things we do is when we start talking about grace, we have the people that, yeah, well, they kind of don't deserve, they're kind of good, but they're all right. 
That because these people actually don't deserve it. To, to me, the ill-deserving, let me give you an example. Uh, there was a, a, there was these two young women, and they were during World War II. And uh, all the Jews were being taken and being put into concentration camps. So what these two people did, I think they were either a, a, they were Scandinavian, and, um, and so what they were hiding Jews. They found out, so they put these two people, these two young girls in a concentration camp. One of them died, and they were ill-treated. They were really ill-treated. And, um, and so her sister died because of the ill-treatment because of one of the guards. Now, after the war, uh, this lady becomes a preacher. And she's preaching away. And at the end of the message, this guy comes up to her. And then all of a sudden, she recognizes him. He's one of the guards that is responsible for the death of my sister. And he puts his hand out and he says, you know who I am. I'm asking for your forgiveness. This is where this comes through. That she's got to now make a choice. Does this man deserve grace? You can say it's, it's, it's kind of easy to preach. But when it comes to giving, and God says this, so the my, my judgment, listen to this, the law is indiscriminate. You have to, doesn't matter who you are, you still have to keep 100%. Hello? Now, so, but so is grace. Grace is indiscriminate. And he says, I am giving you 100%, doesn't matter who you are. So therefore it means is this, there is nothing in your life that disqualifies you. So you could, you could be a nasty person. Not, not here, right? This is for the people watching it on podcast. Okay, it's, it's for them, not, not for you, right? So understand this, that the power of the law was either you were nasty or good, whatever you were, you still had to keep 100%. But so is grace. Now look at this. Let me give you a Bible verse about grace. First Samuel. Chapter 2, verse 8 says this. He lifts the poor out of the dust, the needy from the trash heap. He raises them to sit with princesses, and he sits them on glorious thrones, for the pillars of the earth are the uh, eternal ones, and on them he has set the world. Watch this. Grace goes to the rubbish tip, picks it up, and he puts them on the highest place where God says, and then I put a foundation under them. Yeah. See, for the foundation of God's kingdom is grace. He says he goes into the dust. Now, I want you to notice this is how powerful this is. It is that God does the first move of grace. Grace is not the law where you do the move that what you do, you get attention. God says, with grace, I'll go to the rubbish tip. So if you know, if you want to know what God does, he goes into the rubbish tip and he's looking for the lows out. He's looking for the people that, hey, everybody. 
right at the end, but God says, I tell you what, when I birthed you, there, watch this, when God created you, He didn't create you for the rubbish tip, He created you for the throne. So there's a kingly anointing on you. In every single man, woman, child, is this. Is there something in me that says the rubbish tip is not my home? Oh, okay, now I've got another preach. Now watch this thing. You can start to see where God. Genesis 6, 8 says this. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, watch this. Watch this. this is now a picture that how did Noah find grace? Noah found grace is when God looked at Noah, there was a transfer of grace into his life. See, you can read this when you look through the scripture, is that, because grace is not an attitude, every time God looks at you, he's transferring something. So here's Noah, and in this scripture, Genesis 6, 8, he says this is how God works. See, when God looks at you, there's a transference. That is why in Numbers, the Bible says this is the way you are to bless people. The Lord be with you. The Lord's peace come upon you. The reason being is this. Every time he says he make his face, what? Shine upon you. That means that you cannot look in the face of God without there being a transference. Here's my question. So what's being transferred? So God is saying this. Now listen to this. You cannot look. God cannot look at you without transferring something. Let me show you. Let's look at crucifixion. Jesus hanging on the cross. There's a thief that says, Jesus, remember me. Jesus looks. What is it? And then he says, I'll remember you. There was a transference. The moment Jesus looked at that man, there was a transference. So you, you get to see, see, grace. God says, I look by grace. So here's, here's something that you can elevate your thinking in there. How do you think God sees you? Because how you think God sees you is how you will react. See, to me, when, when I was a, a young preacher last week, <laughs> I used to I used to go, how come that person is not worshipping God like me? You know, there, there are people that are going, ah, and now I can hear. And I realised this, is that you can only worship with extravagance is when you know that God is looking at you extravagantly. Because if you think that God is judging you, okay, let's take it to another level. How many of you, you're working on your desk and you get an email from your manager that says, I want to see you. How many of you get excited? <laughs> Come on. The moment you, you're sitting there at your desk, right? Your, your manager's 10 floors above you, right? You, you, don't, you don't even get a chance to see his car park, right? You, you, you just know he's up there and he's got eyes everywhere, right? And then he says to you, hey, I want to see you. Uh-oh. And what does everybody says? What are you going to go? I got to go see the CEO. What have you done? 
bye-bye, you want to take your stuff now? Hey, fuck, can I have your desk? <laughs> the reason being is this, is that our mindset, the moment he says, I want to come and see you, you don't think, oh, you Judy, I'm getting a promotion. You go, oh, oh I've done something. Because the only time your boss sees you face to face is when you've done something I remember saying, I have, how come I don't see the CEO? And one of my managers said to me, that's because you don't do anything wrong. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I don't want to see them. Anyway, okay. So, you watch so, so it's not an attitude. So God says this, every time I see you. See, to be in the presence of God means to look in one's face. The word presence means to look in the face. So God says, every time you come into my presence, there's going to be a transference of what's in me coming into you. Now, let's look at the first door. The door that has to, that God gives you the power to shut. So grace gives you the power. Now watch this. Look at Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore now, everybody say now. Present. No condemnation awaits those that are living in Jesus, the anointed, the liberating king. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusation voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life and union with the anointed. Do you realize what grace does? The first thing grace will do for you it will close the door on condemnation. So grace comes in to an open door and it closes it. What's condemnation? You're not good enough. You have... Now I want you to notice I'm going to use this word called you. You're, you don't pray enough. You don't worship the right way. You didn't let that person in when they indicated you sped up. You, you wanted to go into that car park so the other person couldn't. You don't do this. You don't, you don't, you don't. The first thing that grace will do, it will shut the door on yourself. My self-effort. How much I do it. See, I believe in prayer. But what I don't believe in, that God says, I'm timing you, Fabiani. Can't you pray with me for one hour? How is it that we make that a rule? See, what, what the first thing he does, is shuts condemnation. It, what's, listen to this. This is what it shuts. It, as in, now watch this. As in grace, you had to do all the self-effort. When you look at the, sorry, when you look at the law, doesn't say that God will have to keep the law. No. See, the law speaks from out of you. Grace speaks in from you. So when it comes to the law, it says this. So God says the first door that you shut, you shut on condemnation. The door is shut on all your self-effort. It's called self-improvement. You know what it means? You've got to get rid of your self-mirror. I know some of you spend more time in front of the mirror than in front of any of the television. I, I get that. But God says this.
got to stop your self-effort, your self-improvement. In other words, it, it stops and he says, no longer are you going to speak. I'm going to close the door on your weakness. The, the, now watch this. It's the weakness spiritually. It's the weakness physically. It's the weakness emotionally. So in other words, people say, but Ted, I am not emotionally strong. Ted, I am not, I haven't got the spiritual mouse. I am, my body is not what it used to be. What grace does, it goes to the door and he slams it shut. From now on, my weakness says, Ted, we don't have to do that because you're weak. Slam the door. All of a sudden, grace comes up, looks at everything you are relying on, and he shuts the door to it. He shuts the door of all your nasty desires. He shuts the door on lust. He shuts the door on greed. Because you know what? We, we, we are overcome with things, and God says, those things that used to overcome you, those things that would bring condemnation, I've dealt with it. So when you shut the door, you know what you're saying? Weakness comes knocking on your door. You know what you're saying? Hey, I'm, you know, you're weak in that area. You're weak in this area. You're weak in your prayer life. You, know, you shut the door and say, excuse me, the cross dealt with it. But, you know, then self-pity comes up. Then he goes, oh, yeah, you should feel sorry for yourself. Come on, it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. No, you don't. No. Jesus dealt with it. So grace shuts the door on my self-pity. You know what grace says? Well, I can't do that. You know what grace says? Hey, Paul says in Philippians 4.30, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But look, I can't be wealthy. Close the door. God says that he will promote me. I can't get a promotion. It's okay. Close the door to that because God is the one who promotes. See, what we do is we are so used to opening the condemnation door that we don't even question it. So, you know, it is like, have you noticed now that everything is being delivered? You don't go to the shops anymore. I need some fresh air from Mount Dandenong. I can Google it, and the guy comes with a bag. Excuse me, he goes, oh, thank you. Right? I, I need a holiday. That's all right. I've been, I've been sleeping for six years. Yeah, yeah. Right? Whatever it is. See, when somebody comes to the right to, to your door, you need to go, who are you? What are you giving? Because what you've got to do, everything that God has dealt with is not allowed to be in your heart. So now, self-effort. I'm trying. Stop it. You know, when people say, try harder. It's not in the Bible. When did you ever read that Jesus says, try harder? <laughs> you know, the, the man that was a criminal for 38 years, and he says, every time I am trying to get into the pool to get healed, somebody beats me. You know what the law says? Try harder. <laughs> get more aggressive. You've got to be in tune. You've got to get everything ready. You need a big stick. And when somebody else is in front of you, hit them. Isn't that what we do 
in, the, in our workplace, if somebody's getting ahead, what do we do? We hit them. We don't use a stick, we use words. Every time you want to manipulate someone, you go, God has dealt with that. So you never do stuff. If you love me, you will do that. That is called the law. You good? Everybody say, yeah. yeah. I'm feeling good. I am so glad I sat at night church. Now, so what it does is this. Is that God gives us the power to shut the door on all self-efforts. Therefore, the Bible says, You've got to work hard to enter his rest. It's because most of us, we learn, need to learn how to shut the, the, the work door. Most of us shut the grace door. So, so when it comes to grace, God says, I've done everything. Oh, but not everything. Now watch this. They say, to understand grace, let's go back to it. The law says this, that you've got to keep all the law, all the time, every day. And the moment you break it, you go back to zero. Correct? Why would grace be any weaker than the law? See, the law depended upon you. The law depended on your strength, on your church attendance, your life group attendance, on your giving, on your worship. It did it all, and it keeps a track record. Do you realize that the law is one of the best record keepers in the globe. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, some of you are still thinking of the sins you did 450 years ago. Satan comes in and he does this, knock on the door. Hey, remember when you did that? No, God's dealt with it. Remember your bad attitude? No, God's dealt with it. You see, the first door that grace does, he says, I'm going to slam the door on your self-effort because it is your self-effort that is stopping grace flowing. Now watch this. You good? The law says this. You've got to keep 99.9 sorry, it says you've got to keep it 100%. And the law says if you miss out one, you're guilty of them all. Correct? So it says this. The tension is up on you. Now grace goes it's on Jesus. Now, Jesus never gives you 99.9. .9. He gives you 100% all the time. Let me say that again. Grace says, sorry, law says, I'm so used to saying grace because I, I don't like saying law. Grace, oh, there you go again. Law says 100% all the time, nothing to be left out. And it depends on you. Grace says 100% of everything that heaven has, 24-7, without you or your effort. Now watch this. Ephesians 1-3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a... Now watch this. 
The way you stop grace is by adding 0.001 effort. Now, just how many of you ever received the gift that hurts? Okay. There are people that will take you out because they want you to take them out. There are people that want to be your friend because they need something. Come on, you. Am I the only one that lives in this neighborhood? <laughs> See, a gift, if, if you receive a gift and you feel, now what do I have to give you? You stop receiving the gift. See, the moment you, the gift stops being a gift is when I feel obliged, now I've got to do something in return. Now listen, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift. From our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because, now watch this, now, remember what we said with Noah? He says, how the he says, you know, when the Father sees him, now watch this, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. Watch this. So how does God see you? He sees you in Christ full of everything that he has given. So God never sees you inadequate. How can he see you inadequate when he says every spiritual blessing has been lavished upon you. Let me just tell you, you don't like anything. Because grace came in, which is an open door, and he says, I have put everything in. And now, what we've tried to do is accommodate both law and grace at the same time. Why is God going to heal you? Because he loves you. Why is God going to bless you? Because he loves you. Why is God going to minister to you? Because he loves you. Why is God going to promote you? Because he loves you. See, the moment you go, God's going to bless me because of what I have, you've missed it. The moment you put yourself in the equation, that is why Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. How do I frustrate the grace of God? God's put everything inside of me and I close the door so he can't manifest in my life. You slept in and you, you missed your quiet time. It's okay. There's another morning coming. You, you don't get... It is, you, prayer is not like a frequent prayer card. You know what? Every time you pray, it goes to the 10 points. Congratulations. To the Once you get 100 points, you get a blessing. Oh, yeah. I'm half an hour short. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray while I drive. I'm going to do things. That I, I'm going to be multitasking. I've got to avoid traffic and pray. See, see, the moment that we start to add to it, we frustrate it. So you've got to watch this. Healing is a gift, not a reward. Stephen? Peace is a gift, not a reward. Forgiveness of sin and a clean conscience is a gift, not a reward. 
See, Jesus, Jesus didn't start a religion called the Reward Club. So when you look at the two doors, the, 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 other, the first door says, Ted, you've got to work harder. You've got to go. It's not, you know, yeah, grace didn't do it all. See, the moment, see, the law knows, the spirit behind the law that has taken it out of proportion and put it into the church community knows that if they can just get one ounce of self-effort, you get disqualified. See, what happens is this. this are we good? See, what Satan does, he comes up, oh, look, hey, you know, with grace, you didn't pray. So what does he do? He hones in on that thing. He says, you're not going to be blessed because you didn't pray. You're not going to be blessed because you didn't do this. You're not going to... No, 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 hold on. It's, I am going to be blessed because of what Jesus did, not because of what I do. I am a receiver of what he has done. And so what, you, what I'm, I've learned to do, I, I have to keep closing my door all the time. I tell you, I, my doorbell at times doesn't stop. It seems like it's in, ding, 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 ding. You know, I, yeah, what's his name? Uh, all the trucks are all lined up saying, Ted, we've got this package, we've got this package. No, 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 that's not my name. My name's not Ted Tadiak. My name is George now. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? I've stopped accepting packages that, that have not been approved by grace. So just right now, in finishing, if the worship team can come up. Is this. Isn't it time we had a bit of a house cleansing? What is in your house that came through the work store instead of the grace store? You know what you need to do? And this is going to take some time. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be quicker depending on where you are. Is this? Is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, and if you can imagine you've got the two doors. You know, half a side here, half a there. You take the Holy Spirit, and, and, you, and he says... Let me take you by the hand. Okay, what are we going to do, Holy Spirit? I'm going to walk into this room, and can you please identify what came in through the works door? Because I want to get rid of it. If I could be, as your pastor, some of us have fallen in love with things that came through the wrong door. And God says this. The thing that you have fallen in love with that came through the wrong door is what's stopping the manifestation of that in your life. So, let, let, let me tell you what the law says. You're believing for something. And, and, and the law says, come on, you've got to pray, you've got to do you've got to put all that effort in. Right? And then when it doesn't manifest, what does the law tell you? Try harder. And then, you know, let, let me just say this. You good with me? The Bible says, when you clean out a house and you don't fit it with anything else, whatever you throw out comes back and it brings back seven friends. So what happens is this, is you start going through life, that's called the transformation of the mind. And you come into the room and you go, Holy Ghost, what's inside of me that came through the wrong door? And then you're going, okay, God, and, and, you know, and then I've got to reopen the grace door, and I go, God, it's not about me, it's about you. But God, I want to have some house cleansing. Is there anybody else in the house with me today? That you want to go into your thinking, 
into your, if, if you're thinking of that healing, what's come in to my thinking of that healing that came through the wrong door? What's come in through my prosperity that came through the wrong door? What's coming in into my marriage that came in through the wrong door? What's happened? What's coming to my ministry? What's coming to my business through the wrong door? And I tell you, I'll guarantee you that the God's going to come in with a big broom. God's going to come with an amazing broom. And it's going to come on, let's sweep it clean. Let's sweep it clean. And you go, now I can rest. Now I can sit down. Now I can let what's inside of me manifest. Because that's what it is. Is we want the grace of God manifesting in us. Come on, we stand. Lift up your hands. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I invite you, Holy Ghost. I invite you, Holy Ghost, to come into my house, come into my heart. And Father, everything that came in through the wrong door, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want it out. Father, I want it out. I want a clean body. I, I want to move the power of God. I, I want it for me. Father, in the name of Jesus, when you see me, you see me whole. When you see me, you see me clean. When you see me, you see the righteousness of Jesus. So, Father, right now, and Father, right now, I open up the grace door. No more, no more effort. No more striving. No more manipulating. No more of anything else. But Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, let it be done to us according to your word. And Father, I thank you that you see us with grace and favor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you've got to have